Listeners, welcome back to the KPO podcast. This week on the podcast, I have Alicia Selnikova Gilmore, and she is here to talk about her debut novel, The Witch and the Czar. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. So first question we always ask is, give us the elevator pitch for the book. Uh, No spoilers. Well, The Witch and the Tsar is a reimagining of the Slavic witch of legend, Baba Yaga, as she risks all to save her country and her people from Tsar Ivan the Terrible of 16th century Russia. And what inspired the story? What drew you to this particular uh, Slavic folktale? So um, as a lot of Slavic kids, Baba Yaga was a major presence in my life. I mean, um, my mom would evoke her name every time I misbehaved, especially at night. Um, She would actually say, you know, well, if you're not going to go to sleep, Baba Yaga is going to, you know, come through the window. She's going to snatch you up in her arms. She's going to take you to her chicken-legged hut in the woods. And I'll never see you again. (laughs) So it was one of those things that it inspired just this fear, um, but also this fascination. Who's this Baba Yaga? I mean, you know, my parents and grandparents and and I myself later read all these fairy tales and loved them so much. And she's just the presence in these fairy tales. And so when I uh, started this idea for the book, I knew I wanted to write about her because over the years, my fascination with her, my fear of her um, changed into a fascination just because Mm -hmm. she's a very interesting character in the fairy tale. She's very mercurial. She's sometimes a villain. uh, Sometimes she's a donor. Sometimes she helps. Sometimes she hinders. Sometimes she's single. Sometimes she's married and with daughters. So she's a very fascinating character, but she's oftentimes this character ridicule almost and silliness because she's this old hag living in the woods. You know, a lot of the um, male characters mistreat her. And so I was just wondering, you know, is there another story to her? And when Mm -hmm. I started doing research um, for the book, I actually discovered that many scholars believe that that the Baba Yaga we know is based on um, a a Slavic goddess called Makush um, that ancient Slavs used to worship. And so that just sparked my imagination because how did a goddess become a witch? And so that's sort of how the book was born. <laughs> yeah, that is fascinating. As I started reading the book, I was just enthralled. I'm I'm deep into the book and, and just wanting to know what's happening uh, page after page. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> so you just said you started the research. So what what else did you learn from the research? And did you travel to Russia? Yeah, so um, the next interesting thing I learned was actually about Ivan the Terrible. Uh, once I kind of decided on that time period, um, I started to research, you know, medieval Russia and then, of course, Ivan. And I discovered that he was actually into magic. Um, like he was very fascinated by witchcraft. He would invite um, sorcerers and witches to his court fortune tellers as well, astronomers. And so, and he actually also collected magical objects. So the Mm -hmm. unicorn horn that you see in the beginning of the book is actually, he owned a unicorn horn that could tell if there was a presence of poison in the foods and things that, you know, foods he ate things he touched. And so that just um, was just fascinating to me because, um, you know, I had already kind of chosen him as my antagonist, but that was just so perfect that he would actually invite someone like you got to his court. Um, So that was really fascinating. And then I did go to Moscow at the time my grandmother was still alive. And so 
So I would visit her. And I actually visited all of the palaces around Moscow um, that was that Ivan would have lived in. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Alexandrskaya Slobada, this is the fortress that eventually he occupies um, when he starts his Aprichnina. Um, that uh, what is a fascinating museum, and um, it's located you know, about an hour and a half away from Moscow. So I went there and a few other, you know, the Kremlin, obviously. Some of the rooms that Ivan would have lived in don't exist anymore, um, which is really interesting. But you can kind of deduce what they would have looked like based on the rooms now. So that was a fascinating trip and got me all inspired all over again. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like it. So so what drew you to Ivan? Was it just that he was into the into magic? Not at all, actually. Um, Ivan, so at first, I should start by saying that at first, um, I was going to do this Yaga through the centuries. You know, mm-hmm. I partially was inspired by Cersei, by Madeline Miller, of course. Um, and I wanted to do kind of like, you know, Yaga through Russian history. But mm-hmm. then I figured out, okay, that is just way too much. That's too overwhelming. There's a lot happening, of course. And so I thought, well, um, I really want to do a particular time, time, you know, timeline in history so that Yaga comes alive more, you know, so that she she can kind of be more of a real person, I guess, if she's in the context of historical events. Mm-hmm. So I picked medieval Russia because I just love medieval times, honestly. Mm-hmm. I've always loved medieval times in many, you know, countries. Um, and Ivan came rather naturally after that because he's kind of like Baba Yaga. He's kind of a presence in every Russian person's life because mm-hmm. he's a very famous czar. Um, you know, he's very much still talked about. He was the first czar mm-hmm. and he just is known for this very big personality. Um, he was known to be very paranoid. Of course, he's Ivan the Terrible, Ivan Grozny. He's this, you know, very large presence. And so it just kind of came after that, honestly. <laughs> Yeah, I could see that. That makes sense. I mean, there's there's probably and there's a lot of information about him, too, so that you can really dive in deep. Absolutely. Yes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So which is your care or which was the easiest character to write and who is the hardest to write and who is your favorite, too? (laughs) (laughs) Those are really really good questions. well, my favorite, I will start with that, uh, was, of course, Yaga. Um, she was a- actually also the most challenging. Um, she actually went through the most work out of anyone um, throughout um, throughout the book's editing, revising mm-hmm. process. You know, that's just because I wanted to get her right, and she was really difficult to get right. And so um, she was just such a challenge because I wanted her to be powerful, but also I wanted her to have this vulnerability to her that would make her relatable. And I wanted her to be unlike the Baba Yaga hag that we see in the fairy tales, which I love as well. But I wanted a different interpretation to her so that instead of the silly old crone, she's actually a human woman. She's a woman that we can all relate to. Um, And so that was a really hard balance to strike. And I was working on her to the very end of revisions in like March. So Mm -hmm. she was uh, the most work, but she also is the most fascinating for me because she just ended up being so layered and interesting. And uh, I just love her so much. (laughs) Um, And obviously I hope readers do too. The most challenging for me um, and one that I just don't really like as a person was Kashay Bismirtli. He is of course her um, antagonist slash former lover. 
And I just think he's just an awful person, (laughs) but he was very hard. Their relationship, especially was very hard for me to get right. Just because I wanted her obviously to, there's this attraction between them. Of course, they're both immortals. They're both, you know, he's very smart, very interesting. They've been through a lot together, but he's also just a terrible person that Mm -hmm. keeps making mistakes. And of course that, that is involved in this plot against, against her country, And so, but he was really just difficult and I just kind of hated on him the whole time, but kind of rooted for him, but then I kind of hated him. (laughs) Yeah, it's like the love interest that you're like, oh, I don't know about you. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. (laughs) So as you're writing and going through the revisions, was there anything surprising you learned as you uh, went through the process? I think the most surprising um, thing was that Yaga just came alive for me um, eventually, not at first. Uh-huh. At first, you know, and I had written two books before this. Um, I, they, I think they were both contemporary fantasy, but, you know, I just, I didn't, they didn't really go anywhere. And I didn't really feel that connection that I started to feel with this book, which um, indicated to me that this was going to be different, hopefully. Uh-huh. And so it, it was just really fascinating that, you know, I had written a hundred pages and I just didn't really like the story of the witch and the czar, what became the witch and the czar. And so I start restarted writing it over again, all the while I'm getting to know Yiga. I'm getting to know her and what I want out of the story. Eventually she just kind of took over, which had never happened to me before. And that really surprised me that, you know, I had my outline, I had my character profiles, I realized I wasn't really even using them because the story kind of took a life of its own and she took a life of her own. Mm-hmm. You know, at first, uh, Cache was actually supposed to be her love interest throughout. And um, she just didn't want that, you know, like it just <laughs> the story wouldn't go there and she wouldn't go there. And that was just really, really fascinating to me. And that had never happened to me before. So I, I think that was the most surprising thing of all, that your characters and your story can kind of take over eventually once you get to know them. Yeah, yeah. I always find writers' processes fascinating. So you're a plotter then, but kind of became a pantser in this process. <laughs> so I'm actually, yeah, is it called a planter where you're both? Um, I think I'm both. Okay. Yep. Um, so yes, I prepare everything ahead of time. You know, I do part of my research ahead of time. I do the character profiles, a synopsis, pretty long synopsis chapter by chapter outline, again, pretty detailed. Mm-hmm. And then I sort of have a freak out about a hundred pages in, which I've realized is my process. <laughs> <laughs> I um, got to know the story and the character. So I rewrite all these materials and I get going on the story again. And that's when, and this happened to me again with my book two right now, And then I'm sort of going and the story sort of takes a life on its own. Sometimes I consult the outlines. Sometimes I don't. It's there when I need it. But mostly the story just kind of organically unfolds from there. And all those materials, I use them, but it's more like preparatory work that I do to get to know the story and the characters. Yeah, it's like your outline is now more like a guideline or a guide as opposed to your (laughs) step-by-step. Yeah. And it's just fun to let, uh, I guess you never know what the story will need. At least Mm -hmm. I don't. Uh, Mm -hmm. Sometimes you get to know even more, you know, as you get going. And so to tie yourself to an outline for me, that doesn't work at all just because, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it just wouldn't work. So I I like the middle, middle ground. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. 
So one of the things I've noticed lately, you know, as a librarian is that there's this resurgence of just women's literature, especially a lot of books about women empowerment. Mm -hmm. uh, how do you feel about that? Or what do you think of that? I mean, I love it. <laughs> um, I love it. I'm into all those books. I mean, like I said, uh, I don't think The Witch and the Czar would be if not for Cersei, uh, just because I, you know, and I'm sure that there were uh, retellings before this. In fact, I think that there there were. Um, I think Margaret Atwood wrote uh, Penelope um, from the Odyssey retelling before mm -hmm. Cersei. But, you know, it's the, it was my first kind of, you know, uh, foray into the this subgenre. And ever since then, I have been consuming them like crazy. And I think that's, I think um, the reason that we're getting them is because, well, first of all, I mean, history has not been very kind to women, mm -hmm. right? Um, yeah, I absolutely. mean, history books don't have much. Like, I mean, I started researching Anastasia, uh, Yaga's friend in the book, and uh, Zara Ivan's real life uh, first wife. And there's nothing about her. Like there literally is almost nothing about her or her mm -hmm. parents or her origins or how she grew up. And that's because uh, women's stories uh, have not really been told. And so mm -hmm. it's amazing to see these, uh, you know, figures from history, um, characters from mythology and folklore getting their, um, their due, their day. Um, I think that's really exciting. And, and you know, I think it's also um, humanizing these characters. I mean, like mm -hmm. I said, one of my um, aims, um, and I know some people don't like that, uh, but I didn't want to write about the hag in the fairy tales because mm -hmm. she's already there. She already exists. I'm not seeking to challenge her. I'm just seeking to provide a different interpretation of the story we know, because what's interesting about my story and many other women's stories is that there's a story beyond what we have been taught to know about these women, that they're mm -hmm. witches that they're evil, that they're horrible, but are they? Do we really know their stories? And so I think challenging those assumptions is what these, uh, what these novels have done. And I just, it's wonderful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I feel like maybe a lot of that has been rewritten by men to make these women out to be terrible or witches and, and not really given you know, their, their real due to show that they are com complex individuals. Absolutely. And I mean, like with fairy tales, you have um, men writing down, like, for example, the Slavic fairy tales. I mean, Alexander Afanasyev is the, the collector of the Russian fairy tales. He's a man. He wrote these fairy tales in St. Petersburg in 1800s, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, so, I mean, but these fairy tales have existed way before then. These tales of gods and witches, they have existed way before they were written down by men. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you've combined three very complex elements. You've got fairy tale, mythology, and history. How did you kind of go about doing that? <laughs> oh my God. So many times I was like, why did I do this to myself? Why? <laughs> but once I decided on um, Maya God being a goddess and of course half human, mm -hmm. uh, but you know, she came from the world of gods and I couldn't not do other gods. And so, um, so it kind of, you know, pushed me to sort of look into, okay, what are Slavic gods? And it turns out there's just not much about them just because stories of the Slavic gods were not really written down anywhere. 
They've since been looked at um, like comparatively comparing other religions to the Slavic religion, but they were just basically mentions of gods of their names in records. Again, Christianity, post-Christianity records. Mm-hmm. So uh, that was really fascinating to me. And once I kind of got into that, I really wanted to put my own spin on that mythology. And then, of course, you have Baba Yaga, so you have to have some fairy tale characters. So, of course, I um, really wanted some of the major fairy tales, uh, fairy tale characters that I grew up with. So, of course, Cache, uh, Maroska, who is, of course, um, her other antagonist, mm-hmm. um, and a few others as well. Maria Mariavna is one that uh, she is kind of, um, you know, becomes Yaga's mortal friend, but she's a wonderful, wonderful character a strong warrior from these, uh, from the fairy tales. And so it's using those fairy tale characters that I really wanted in the book that I grew up with, you know? Mm-hmm. And of course the history, the history provided the the sort of the structure for the book. Um, yeah. All that to put together was, yeah, extremely difficult to balance each mm-hmm. of those was extremely difficult. And I started very history heavy actually. And then my editor and I worked on adding and layering in more fantasy into the story and the mythology actually um i didn't struggle with too much just because i knew they would be more in the background um mm-hmm. and so uh but but the the balance between the fantasy and the history that was something that i really worked on with my with my editor well i think it worked really well <laughs> <laughs> thank you <laughs> i'm glad to hear that yes. <laughs> so what do you hope readers take away from your book you know i think like with all women's retellings um these days um, to be open-minded, to be open-minded to different interpretations of the characters and the figures from history that we all know and love, but that there can be multiple interpretations on them, especially uh, fairy tale mythological characters, um, Yaga, for example, Mm -hmm. uh, Baba Yaga, there can be a a new interpretation to her um, that maybe they haven't heard of before, but I I just urge people to be open-minded because because honestly, you know, I'm not trying to, um, you know, take away from the Baba Yaga from the fairy tales. I'm just trying to add my own interpretation of what she could have been like before all the rumor twisted her up into a hag. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, it kind of inspires me to, to re-examine some of the Hindu gods and goddesses and, yes. and some of the history behind that to see, I'm like, hmm, I wonder if, if you know, a lot of that is, is, you know, the interpretation could be different. Yeah, and they, they have such br- a brilliant mythology as well. Actually, that was one of the uh, mythologies that uh, scholars of uh, studying Slavic mythology used. So mm-hmm. I think you definitely should. <laughs> <laughs> so what's next? Uh, do we get more uh, Slavic mythology or f- fairy tales? So actually, I am doing a historical Gothic next. Um, mm-hmm. It is about two sisters who are trying to save each other and their family from um, their ancestral past, which is kind of personified in their ancestral house, mm-hmm. bent on bringing back their royal past um, in an age where such a past is outlawed um, in post-revolutionary Russia. <laughs> Ooh. 
but it will use some of the, it will continue the folklore theme because mm. it will use some of my favorite kind of Russian Gothic um, writers, stories, as well as um, some folklore as well. So, uh, so that theme will continue. <laughs> oh, nice. Well, I look forward to reading the next one then. Thank you so much. All right. So last question we always ask our guest is what are you reading or what do you recommend we read? So currently I'm finishing up Thistlefoot uh, by Jenna Rose Nethercott. Um, this is uh, another Bobby Gary telling uh, that came out around the same time as mine. And it's just wonderful. It's a contemporary take about um, two descendants of um, Baba Yaga. So it's um, it's folkloric and um, beautifully written and just wonderful. So I definitely recommend that. And then I just um, finished Such Sharp Teeth by Rachel Harrison. And that was just a lot of fun. I basically love her stuff. It's fresh. It's unique. It's feminist. It's um, it's just wonderful. And Cackle is another book that I would definitely recommend. And then The Hacienda. I read that recently and I just loved it so much um, by Isabel Cañas. Um, it was just a wonderful gothic to get lost in. And um, yeah, so those are some of my favorite recent reads. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, I've had, uh, I've read both of the last two that you mentioned and I've had both authors on the podcast too and yeah I agree they were both <laughs> I just had yeah. so much fun with all these books like it's just been a really good like season for books so <laughs> yeah definitely well uh if you haven't read Mexican Gothic I think you'll like that I, have, like I loved it I loved yeah. it <laughs> so Mexican Gothic definitely inspired my uh, my second book so um, oh nice kind of like the Gothic the different culture mm -hmm. um, so yeah, definitely uh, a great book. Very nice. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And listeners, The Witch and the Czar is available right here at the Kirkwood Public Library and wherever fascinating books are sold. That's our show this week. I'm going to leave you with a quote by Northrop Frey. Every human society possesses a mythology which is inherited transmitted and diversified by literature. Stay tuned next week for our guest, Andrea Rogers, telling us about her book, Man-Made Monsters. <laughs>